0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to episode 282 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story comes from the south coast of England and is a story, in a sense, as old as time. An oldish man becomes besotted with a much younger girlfriend, but he happens to have a partner already. What happens next is... Well, we'll get to that shortly. A huge thank you to Gemma Gould for recommending this story to me. But before we get to the story, as always, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon, especially the new members of our community. That's Miriam Kretschmer, Chloe Cunningham and Steve Burt. Thank you all so much for joining us. This podcast is sponsored by Ritual. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why. Especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. I've been taking Ritual's Men's 18 Plus Essential for the last few weeks and I look great. Sorry, I feel great. (laughs) Same thing. No colds or other illnesses. But for me, this is all about what is happening inside, as it's helping me keep healthy for the long term, right? I'm not so good at tablets normally, but these have a touch of mint. But these have a touch of mint, which actually makes it a pleasurable experience. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients in forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet. No shady extras. Rituals delayed release capsule design delivers high-quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And with Ritual, it's no hassle, as your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month, with free shipping always. You can start, sneeze or cancel your subscription at any time. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You really can't go wrong. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash truecrime to start your ritual today. Okay, so let's set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. Number four in the UK charts was DNCE. That's how you pronounce it or not pronounce it with Cake by the Ocean. I'm a simple man and loved the video. Did you? In the US, at number three in the charts was Seven Years from Lucas Graham. And in Australia, the top album was Beyonce with Lemonade. In the news this month, Leicester City won the Premier League at odds of 5,000 to 1. It's got to be the mighty League United next season. city Khan was elected Mayor of London replacing the current Prime Minister. Sadiq was the first Muslim mayor of a major Western city, apparently. Gabriel Medina became the first surfer ever to land the Move Backflip in competition. He's been watching videos of you, Matt Cook. An Egypt Air Flight MS804 went missing over the Mediterranean en route from Paris to Cairo. It was later discovered that the Airbus 320 had crashed into the Mediterranean Sea killing all 56 passengers, 3 security personnel and 7 crew members on board. The cause of the tragedy is still unclear, but following the disaster, Egypt Air retired the flight number 804 and replaced it with flight 802. Did you guess the month and year? It was May 2016. Today's story comes from Amberley, West Sussex, a pretty village about six miles north of Arundel, and about 60 miles south of London. (laughs) I'll level with you here. I was scrambling around for things to say about Amberley, and then I struck gold. I found out about a film that was filmed here that you will all be familiar with. It was Harry Potter. Sorry. It was The Man from Toronto, starring Jesse Matthews and Ian Hunter from 1932. What a film. One resident of Amberley was David Harris. He was aged 68 and he was in trouble. He lived with his partner Hazel Allenson, who he saw as his soulmate. The pair had been together for 27 years. They'd met when they both worked on the TV drama The Bill in the 1990s. Remember that? What a great show it was. David had been divorced twice and was a recovering alcoholic. In the very early days of their relationship, he moved into Hazel's house in London and when he retired and the pair downsized and moved to Sussex, Hazel gave David £50,000 of the money from the house sale as an allowance. But when we join the story today, David had a problem. A big problem. He'd fallen in a big way for a much younger woman in her 20s. He'd met 28-year-old Lithuanian national, Ugni Seka Vasiute, I'm sure that's how you pronounce it, a former professional basketball player. He met her in a brothel where she was working in Worthing, and he was smitten. David had a high sex drive, and was a regular visitor to brothels, including the one near his home where he met Ugni. He became utterly besotted telling a friend, I thought that she was too young and too nice to be in a brothel. David had done all he could to spend more time with his girlfriend. He told Hazel that he'd become an umpire at nearby Arundel Cricket Club. The reality was that he'd never been in a village cricket team before, let alone umpiring. But he told Hazel that he enjoyed the game but as he was unwell, he wasn't in a fit state to play the game to the levels required, so that's why he'd become an umpire. He told her that he was also a driver for the team, which meant that he had to transport the group to their away matches. And Hazel believed him. Why wouldn't she? How could she ever have guessed that it was his ruse to get to spend more time with his girlfriend? David also lied to Hazel about his brother. He told her that his brother was going through a difficult time and he had to be there to support his brother in hospital while he was on suicide watch. This all meant he could spend more precious hours with his girlfriend in London. Since he'd met her, David had wined and dined Ugni at expensive hotels and restaurants, but now the money had run out. He'd had a decent job before retirement, working as a producer on the bill, but by the time we start the story today, the extra £50,000 allowance that Hazel had given to him was gone. Every penny had been spent, most of it on Ogni. And David had been becoming more and more careless. He'd used Hazel's reputation as a parish councillor and as a member of the church choir to borrow thousands of pounds from neighbours to continue to fund his affair. He also pawned a gold wristwatch and a diamond ring. And when Hazel had been away one time, he'd actually sneaked Ugni into his house and photographed her posing on the bed he shared with Hazel, with Hazel's three dogs. Just why would you do that? Any ideas? So he was facing a big problem that he had no money left. But whereas he had nothing, his partner Hazel had money in savings, life insurance, and the house valued at £800,000 where they lived. He loved Hazel, he was sure of it. But with his remaining years, he really wanted to spend them with his girlfriend. In time, the solution came to him. He just needed to kill Hazel. And then he could use her money to fund his future lifestyle. It was now just a matter of working out how he was going to do it. I mean, how do you do it? How would you go and find a hit person? I've got no idea. But David Harris had ideas. In May 2016, he approached a London-based mechanic, Christopher May, for debt collection. But during the course of the conversation, David felt that he could be the man to kill Hazel and said to him, I'm offering you £250,000 to kill my wife. Christopher recorded a conversation Where David Harris asked if Hazel could be killed in St. Richard's Hospital in Chichester. He said, She's going in. Her mother and her sister died last year of ovarian cancer, so she's going to have her ovaries out. He added that she would have five or six weeks convalescing and said, I don't know if anything can be done then. He then gave Christopher all the details of when and where Hazel would be out walking her dogs. And told Christopher he wanted her killed on her walk. On the day when David Harris expected her to be killed, she returned from walking her dogs. Harris, who had expected Hazel never to return from the walk, sent Christopher a message that read, She's back. What the fuck happened? Where are you? Then a short while later, he sent another text saying, Chris, what's happening? I keep asking if this is going down and you keep saying yes. You promised it would be done today. Please text me and let me know what the hell is happening. I have done all you asked of me. But Christopher May had no intention of murdering Hazel. In fact, he repeatedly tried to warn her of the danger she faced from her partner by approaching her as she left the gym at Goodwood Health Club and by email. But Hazel ignored him In October 2016, Harris tried again. A friend at Nook's Cafe in Stratford, East London, near to where Ugney had enrolled in college, recommended a man known as Zed to him. Harris approached this man Zed. His real name was Duke Dean. He was a big unit. 6'3", a really stocky build, and had been described as a man mountain. Harris thought he was the man for the job and offered him £175,000 to kill Hazel. He provided Zed with a photograph of Hazel and other personal details. But unbeknown to him, Zed went to the police following the approach, and they brought in an undercover detective to pose as a man called Chris, a third killer for hire. A meeting was set up in a bugged car in Balham, in London, between Harris, Chris and Zed. On this occasion, Harris was quite specific about how he wanted Hazel to be killed, saying they should make it look like a mugging or a carjacking. But during the conversation, he almost started fantasising about other ways Hazel could be murdered, including pushing her to her death from a cliff. Harris was recorded saying, We were down in the south of France. Every day, I was waking up thinking... Is this the day I can get her onto the edge and close enough to bump into her? I know what I'm asking. I know there's no coming back. I'm 100% sure. Whatever happens, it's got to be fatal. But talking about money, we've said already he was broke. And even with these hitmen, he wasn't exactly flashing the cash. He told Chris that he could afford to pay just £500 up front adding that more money would be available, as he put it, at the end of the rainbow. He also explained to the would-be hitman that he wanted Hazel gone so he could spend the rest of his life living by the sea with his new girlfriend. After this meeting, Harris was unaware his luck had run out. He was staying locally and the very next day, police burst into a room at the Banham Lodge Hotel to arrest him. When they got there, He was lying in bed naked with Agni. When he was arrested, he admitted that he was a silly old fool, but said he never had any intention of killing his partner. On further questioning, Harris said that there was a perfectly reasonable explanation for why he had met three potential hitmen. It was, he said, because he was planning to write a murder mystery thriller to earn some decent money. He said he had spent a lot of time in sleazy East End pubs looking for underworld figures who could point him in the right direction for the book. When asked about his meeting with undercover cop Chris he said We talked about money. I told him I didn't have any. I told him everything had been discussed with the other guy. He admitted being scared of Chris. After all it wasn't every day. He came face to face with someone who kills people For money, or so he believed. But he felt this was another key step in getting the information for his book. He said, If you're going to write about something, you write about what you know. He hadn't told Chris that there was no intention to kill Hazel in reality and it was only a book, as when I told other guys it was just for a book, they walked away. Detectives were very keen to see this book. But Harris told them he'd not actually written down any of his novel on paper or online at this stage because all the information was still in his head. But he was able to explain the plot of the book titled Too Close to Kill, saying a guy meets a young girl, he's married, falls in love with a young girl, can't be with a girl because he can't afford to be, knows he could inherit if anything happened to his partner. How could that be achieved? What would be involved? That's about as far as I got, because that's the crux of the story. David Harris stood trial, where he denied three counts of soliciting to murder Hazel Allenson. Talking about the lies that Harris had told, the prosecution QC, Boyce, asked him, You could make things up with considerable ease and make it sound convincing, couldn't you? Harris replied, At times, yes. He explained about his lies around his brother being on suicide watch, denying nothing and saying, look, the whole thing completely blew out of proportion. Harris openly admitted to the jury that he had given over enough information for potential hitmen to find and kill his partner, but he insisted that he was in control all along. Cutie Boyce was less than impressed with this line of reasoning, saying, may I suggest this is truly absurd. You were recruiting these people because you were at your wits' end and could see no way out. Harris replied, yes, I was at my wits' end. You suggest I'm a liar and deceitful, but I'm not a murderer and neither would I ever consider murdering Hazel. The jury found him guilty on all three counts. The judge said, There was a prolonged period of almost a year where he actively sought to murder his life partner. During that year, he displayed an ability to lie almost instinctively. He has demonstrated a lack of empathy and he has demonstrated a callousness and willingness to do what is necessary to achieve his own ends. But incredibly, Hazel seemingly refused to believe that Harris had wanted her dead. The judge told Harris, you provided correspondence to the probation service to demonstrate that Miss Allenson is supportive of you and does not accept your criminal intentions. The author of the pre-sentence report considers that she has been caught up in the fantasy that you created to defend your actions. The judge sent David Harris to prison for 17 years. She told him, All you wanted from her was that she should die and you should inherit her money. That Miss Allenson did not die is not due to a lack of preparation or intention to withdraw on your part, but to the unwillingness of those requested to kill. For your pipe dream, for your obsessive infatuation with a young woman, Miss Allenson who had protected and nurtured you was to die a painful and terrifying death in an isolated spot. Her death was to fund your life. You had used her until she had outlasted her usefulness to you. Harris showed no emotion as he was taken down to the cells. He would serve half of his sentence for soliciting murder before release. Speaking after Harris was found guilty, the lead detective in the case said, This is a man who basically presented himself as a retired middle-class pensioner, who was in fact a very manipulative, conniving and ruthless individual, who approached not one but three individual men and offered them money to have his partner killed. This has been a hugely difficult time for the victim, who has been significantly affected. Things could have been far worse if Harris had succeeded with his plan, and there was an element of good fortune that one of the men Harris approached informed the police, prompting our swift response to ensure the safety of Harris's intended victim. Unsurprisingly, Harris appealed. His lawyers pointed to his lack of previous convictions and the fact that he was not labelled a public danger. But once again, the judges were having none of it, noting the detailed planning behind his crime and Harris's sustained and determined efforts to see his partner dead. In our view, their sentence was justified, said the judge, dismissing the appeal. So what do you make of what we've heard today? They do say there is no fall like an old fall. But there is nothing unusual about a much older man falling head over heels for a younger partner. We hear about it all the time. In this case, Ugney was an incredibly attractive woman. Quite why she would be attracted to Harris is less clear as if you look him up on Google, he wasn't exactly a Richard Gere, a silver fox, to say the very least. What is that question the much-missed comedy genius Carolina Hearn posed to Debbie McGee in an episode of Mrs Merton? What attracted you to the millionaire Paul Daniels? In this case, I think we can hazard a guess that money was the attraction, but unfortunately for Harris, he didn't have any anymore. Even so, to actually make the decision to arrange for your partner to be killed is utterly shocking, isn't it? No doubt it has fleetingly crossed many minds in the past, but to go beyond that and actually have real conversations about doing it, well, I find that hard to imagine, don't you? Ah, (laughs) and in case you were wondering, whereas Hazel stood by him the whole way through the trial, straight after his arrest, ugly cut off all ties with Harris. To conclude, our thoughts here lie with Harris's partner Hazel. A breast cancer survivor and a thoroughly lovely and decent woman, this sort of thing shouldn't have happened to her. She deserved to be the man who was devoted to her in her later years, not a complete loser and liar like Harris. But the saddest part of the whole story to me was that when even faced with all of the evidence in court, she could not accept that her partner wanted her to be killed. Even once arrested, he was manipulative enough to make her believe his ludicrous defence had all been a novel. Look, even the business plans of the candidates on this year's apprentice weren't quite that ridiculous. So I guess he could be out in two years or so from now. I wonder if there's going to be a loving reunion or whether Hazel has by now realised that there are men much more deserving of her love and her time out there. I wonder. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast and thanks again Gemma for the story. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime please head to the Facebook group where almost 80,000 of us talk true crime 24-7. 24-7. Come and join us. Just head to Facebook and search UK True Crime. And to support this show, join my community at Patreon. It's the place to be for bonus episodes, live recordings and other exclusive content, including the chance to win backstage tickets for my forthcoming live shows and a free signed copy of my book about serial killer Angus Sinclair. If you join on an annual package from as little as £17 a year. Just head along to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. You know it makes sense. So that's all for me for another week. Join me again on Tuesday for another story from the UK's 37th most popular UK True Crime podcast. The only podcast host who knows all the words to every Kings of Leon song. Okay, so I'm lying about that. Anyway, on that unnecessary and confusing bombshell, until next week, despite all the others, I know, the others, I know, I know, please do stay classy. Cheerio for now. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy.